Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and she, her pronouns, a community engagement manager at Modern Classroom. And I am joined by Matt Hickson, a former principal at Ignite Online Academy and is now MCP's Director of Partner Transformation. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. So before we get started, I always like to ask our, um, our guests, how are you feeling today? I'm super excited. Uh, this is unique for me because this is also my first day of working with Modern Classrooms Project. So I'm extremely excited to be part of the team and for the work that we're about to do. Yeah. And I just really love the fact that your first day, you're already recording a podcast with me. How cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. Yeah. So I'll say, I think I started my journey quite a while before MCP even existed or before I came to MCP. Uh, before I was an educator, I was actually a community organizer and activist. And so I came to teaching, not for necessarily a love of teaching or even education, but as a real lover of systems that do justice for kids. And in that context, MCP just makes so much sense, right? The model gives teachers and students all of these opportunities to connect and personalize their work together, build deeper relationships that ultimately lead to increased social emotional engagement and more equitable outcomes. And so, you know, this is stuff that I was really passionate about. And when I came across MCP, I was working as a district director in Durham, North Carolina. I was previously a teacher and an assistant principal in that same district, uh, and I'm currently just leaving being the, a principal in that district. But when I saw MCP, I was in the district director role and I was managing 53 schools and their implementation of online learning during the, the start of the pandemic. And I was introduced to this idea for self-paced learning, seeing some of the work that MCP had done with other educators in our own district. And it was just so clear to me that students would thrive in this environment, even through this really tumultuous period that we're going through in education. And so we started signing some folks up and we did a summer institute program in our district where we had 100 teachers that participated. And it was incredible to see the sorts of things that happened in those classrooms and the teachers uh, who really worked with students in a unique way after working with MCP. How did you get 100 teachers to sign up? Uh, so first, we actually went to our local foundation, our local education foundation, um, DPS Foundation, and they gave us a very generous grant to allow all of those teachers to go for free. And then our district matched that grant to allow every teacher who signed up uh, to be awarded an iPad for their classroom, something that they could use to be mobile in the classroom during those conferences with students as students were doing self-paced learning. And so we really tried to connect that as an incentive. But then also, I think teachers were just hungry for something that was different and exciting and that put students first in this sort of way. And, and that, as you'll hear throughout this podcast, has been one of my high level learnings about the MCP model in classrooms is that teacher teachers are really hungry for a model that centers students in this way and helps them build relationships. And so I think when they started to hear more about it, people were bought in and we did get 100 teachers from, I believe it was about 36 of our 53 schools, uh, which was really incredible. 
That is impressive. I always talk to a lot of implementers and just, you know, colleagues about how important it is for admin um, and school leaders to be supportive as well as like creating some kind of incentive to get teachers to buy in as well. So I really love the fact that y'all had an iPad incentive and just really recognizing the fact that teachers are hungry for something that works, right? Because in education, we're always shifting gears and always trying to figure out how to make our learning student-centered, which is really exciting. Um, I also really like the the fact that you pointed out, Matt, that you started with education not because of the most common reasons why people jump into education, right? For me, example, I jumped in because I had a fifth grade teacher, Ms. Tidwell, who just like rocked my world. Um, and I wanted to be just like her. And that was how I got into thinking about becoming a teacher. Um, I wanted to provide the same brave space that she gave me. And she introduced me to so much literature that I could get lost in. And she was kind of my motivation um, and inspiration to become a teacher. So it's really great that your focus is really to provide, you know, to, to make it all like equitable for students and to create some systems that are justified um, and just looking at um, just advocating for students, right? Which I think is really, really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. So shifting gears as a, as a principal, how did you shift your approach to teaching and learning with Modern Classroom and providing support for your teachers? Yeah, I was talking to some leaders recently about this actually. And uh, we, we started to talk about this analogy of like looking at how you grow something in a garden, right? You've got your plant that starts coming up out of the ground, but before you even start to see the buds and the roots and eventually whatever grows on top of that, you have roots and soil that need to be made first. And we kind of talked about the roots and the soil as like these foundational under the ground elements that you don't usually see. The soil being sort of like the policies and the resources and the culture uh, and the roots being the expectations and the the systems and all of the things that need to be in place in order for your self-paced learning, your modern classrooms project model environment to grow. And so I took a lot of time with my school, uh, and we were a school, by the way, K-12 school in Durham, North Carolina, about 700 students K-12. So, you know, we have a lot of different things going on at different grade levels. And we were a full 100% modern classrooms project implementer in our secondary program, grades 5 through 12. And so, you know, we are looking at doing that. We're looking at doing this large implementation of Modern Classrooms Project. We really had to start thinking first about what were the resources and the culture and the policies that would enable this kind of work. And so we built some design conventions, which were shared expectations for how our teachers would set up their learning management systems. We also created some policies around grading so that we could encourage mastery-based grading. And then we gave a lot of support to teachers in that developing those roots. We provided parent trainings. We engaged new student expectations. We gave a lot of trainings on our learning management system. And ultimately, one of the biggest things we did was give folks a lot of time to plan. And I'll talk about that a little more, I think, later in the podcast when we have some time. But time is really essential for teachers building this model, as you no doubt know. <laughs> and I'm sure folks listening who are familiar with the model know uh, but this was really, really critical that we looked at those elements that enable the model and not just say, OK, well, we're going to plot this down and then see what grows. And I think that's a great analogy as well, right? You really want to focus on the roots and the soil as opposed to just kind of implementing something on the uh, surface. And I think that that's 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 a really great point to just talk about. Um, I, I love the fact that you 
have these shared expectations and the grading policies because we get a lot of questions about grading policies and it makes it so much easier when a school actually has it figured out for teachers and not necessarily teachers having to figure it out by themselves. Um, I'm excited to talk about this, um, you providing a lot of time because that's so important. So, so, so important. Um, And so, I've spoken, I've had the pleasure to speak to some of your teachers who implement the model and they've got, they've had nothing but good things to say about you. Like they raved about you. And this was during the second year of COVID. And so things were just, like you said, in turmoil in education. But how did you keep the culture so positive amidst COVID and everything that was happening in the world? First, I'll just give a lot of credit to our teachers. Uh, You've talked about them. And if you all want to go look for the Ignite Online Academy podcast and listen to them, they're just tremendous, right? Aren't they? They're just great. (laughs) And so I was blessed first to work with some really, really great people. Um, But I think one of the things that I did early was just ask our teachers what is exciting them in their classrooms and what is really driving their purpose and their passion? Because that's a really great starting point for instructional growth conversations. You know, when I go into classrooms, when I'm looking at instruction, I'm looking for something intriguing that I can say, that was cool. Can you tell me what's going on there? And start a conversation that way and get the entry point to the instructional conversation that way. Because, you know, when you're a teacher and you get an administrator coming in and you feel like they're asking you a gotcha question, it's really easy for them to shut down and sort of go into this, this role that we play, right? Of like administrator comes in, we tell them what they want to hear. We move on and keep doing. And, and I think it's so critical that teachers really feel like they're in a deep instructional conversation with their administrator that starts with what they're looking at in their classroom and what they understand. Um, Cause we're never going to understand their classroom as well as they do. Right. When we walk in, we need to come from a point of humility in saying like, I need to first understand what teachers are seeing, especially our great teachers who love to talk about their passion and their purpose for their work. And so, you know, the entry point there is really critical. Uh, The other two things that I think I did a lot of uh, that I hope was the right thing to do uh, was to say yes to a lot of things. When my teachers, especially my great ones, came to me and said, we're implementing MCP, we need this, or we really want to try this. I just said yes right? I didn't spend a lot of time bugging them about things. I was like, yes, 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 and yes, do it. And and if you fail, that's fine. We'll come through and we'll talk about it. And we'll have some feedback. But I want to say yes to you first, because I trust that you're going to do uh, with that yes what you need to. And then, like I said last time, time is critical. I actually built in additional planning time on Fridays for our teachers. That was shared planning as well as built-in quarterly planning days where I gave them release time from the classroom to have a full day of planning uh, to look at their their modules, to look at their plan for units and really build out. It's really heartwarming to hear an admin just acknowledge the fact that there are some tension between teachers and admin, right? Like that gotcha question. And I, I really appreciate you just saying yes. And I think there's a shift now really everywhere, right? Where it's like, yes, and instead of like saying no, um, or, you know, creating some kind of challenge or pointing out a challenge that could potentially happen, but it's more like, yes, and. And it seems like, Matt, you gave your teachers a lot of autonomy and a lot of just like support and celebrating them, which I think we definitely need to do more of with teachers because our teachers are rock stars and that's what you're doing, right? So you're asking questions out of curiosity instead of 
trying to get an answer that you want to hear. And I think teachers really pick up on that. Um, and I know like when I was teaching, I really loved my old principal. Um, and because she was so supportive, it was just like, you want to do what? That sounds cool. Go for it. You know? And it wasn't like, a, um, but why do you want to do that? But that's not what we do. But it's more so like, okay, cool. This is what you need from me and I'll make it happen. You tell me what you need and I'll make it happen. And I think that's that's something that we really need with admin. And I, I, I really love the fact that you approached it with humility um, and asking open-ended questions as well as just getting teachers to talk about what they're passionate about because our teachers are passionate. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of them um, passionate about something. And it's so cool to hear people talk about what they're passionate about because it gets you hyped as well. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I think those are great things that that our listeners need to need to hear. And so you said that um, your secondary school, grades 5 through 12, that it was 100% MCP implementation. How did you get teachers to buy into that? Uh, yeah, so my teachers actually, I know when they were on the podcast with you, they joked about this uh, and kind of in air quotes said that it was strongly encouraged, <laughs> but they actually really <laughs> knew the deal that it was not encouraged, but required. Uh, and I think, you know, I joke about that, but in truth, there is a role for a leader to play in setting a goal for professional development and for the vision for your school. And so I don't, when I, when I look at supporting teachers, I also don't shy away from like sharing a strong and ambitious perspective. Uh, and I did that with my staff. Like I said, it is my goal that 100% of our staff are trained in MCP and are deciding how they're going to implement as they work toward full implementation. And, you know, that was something that I think, even though it was, it's always difficult for teachers to hear when you're telling them like, this is what I want, want for our school. They actually respond better, I think, when it's it's clear, and then you're giving lots of support. Um, and it also helped that we had some teachers that were really strong implementers coming in already, and so they were able to have that peer to peer conversation with our folks. And so, you know, I wouldn't recommend to a leader being like, "Hey, we're going to go from zero to a hundred right now." Uh, I would definitely recommend looking at some of your teachers that are implementing, or maybe some folks who might be interested in this kind of model, and suggesting they get started with it, and then allowing them to really seed that idea within the staff before you get to a place where you're saying, hey, I have a vision for this. I want to move forward with it. Um, but I do think there's a place for leaders to do that, especially when you're presenting a strong vision and you have really supported your teachers in implementing that. And so we kind of got on board together and I used a lot of the components of the model in delivery of PD. Even in our staff meetings, I would share instructional videos. I would have some self-paced components and that gave them experience as learners as well to see the value in the model, to see that, oh, actually, I don't need to have a staff meeting this week because I'm just doing stuff self-paced when I have time to sit at home and relax. So that gave them some time back, gave them some autonomy. And I think they really appreciated seeing some of the ways that I was buying in with them to delivering the model. And uh, in all those ways, I think we started to see it as part of our school and our vision for what we were doing. And, and that then generated a lot of buy-in. And that's that's really, really cool. Um, I love the fact that, you know, the staff meeting um, that you've implemented the different pillars of the model, which is really great because we always talk about um, at Modern Classroom is the learner's experience, right? So teachers implementing this model, it's, it's overwhelming. It's a lot, right? It's a huge shift um, coming from what we're so used to, to then creating, to relinquishing control, first of all, um, and then also doing the whole self-pacing and blended learning 
learning and mastery-based grading to a lot of teachers that's new and it's very overwhelming. And so it's kind of nice, Matt, that you gave them that learner's experience to see like, no, self-pacing is actually pretty cool. Like, And that was what I experienced as well as an instructional coach during COVID was that our our teachers really, really love the self-pacing because they can do it on their own. And so now it's like, okay, so you have this experience as a student, right? And seeing how it works. Now, how can we get you to do the same for your students? Um, And I think that's a really great way to get their um, minds, the wheels spinning and just kind of thinking about ideas of how to implement it. And like you said, it's really good as um, a role model as well, like as as an admin trying out something new and them just kind of watching you and observing how you navigate this as well, which is really great. Um, And so what was the biggest challenge when supporting teachers with implementing the modern classrooms model? Yeah, there are some obvious ones like time that I'll come back to again and again. But I also want to share some other ones that were less obvious that we realized right away. One big one was student and parent mindset shifts. We shared some information early on about the model, but it was quickly obvious that it was not enough. Like over communicating information about the model and how it will function in the classroom really helped. Students got on board much quicker, right? They felt empowered by the model. They they figured it out. They started to really start to learn how to be a self-paced learner. Parents took a little bit longer. They were like, I'm not exactly sure what my student is talking about when they're talking about navigating their pacing and, and all of those sorts of things. And so that took some more work. And actually, during our first curriculum night, we did a series of sessions on MCP with parents. We allowed them to be with our teachers and have teachers explain the model and show them examples of work that students were completing and give some benefits for them around how their students can develop executive functioning skills and self-pacing skills that are critical in the workplace and beyond. And that really helped a lot of parents start to get on board. And what we ended up finding, actually is that by the end of the year, our school was one of the top schools in our district, I think in the top three of schools in terms of teachers and students reporting that parents knew what was going on in the school and were important and influential decision makers and and stakeholders in the school. And I think that was a real result of parents starting to look at the model and understand that they could see more of what their student was doing. They could also monitor their students' pace and ask questions about what was going on in class and even watch some of those instructional videos when students were at home watching them and and completing the work. So I think it was really cool to engage with that shift, but it was a big challenge. And I I don't want to understate that. At first, it was like, what is going on? Why why was my student not getting lectures? Why is my student on a different lesson than somebody else? There were a lot of questions that we had to field. And it took some time for us to shift those mindsets. Um, And then the other one is just creating space for innovation, which is also known as failure. (laughs) And I think that's like really, really critical. Being okay with your teachers failing is really, really important. Failure is scary. <laughs> you know, I I feel like as teachers, we're pretty much perfectionists. And I am definitely a recovering perfectionist. Um, it's still coming up in some parts of my life, but I'm working on it. And I feel like as teachers, we just want it to be perfect all the time, right? And I think, especially when it comes to creating instructional videos, um, I always have to tell our community, it's okay to mess up. You actually don't have to spend three hours on a six-minute instructional video. Just show up as yourself, make mistakes, and it's okay. Um, 
I really, I really like what you said, you know, creating space to innovate. And that just means to fail and to make sure that teachers aren't getting reprimanded for failing. Um, it's part of the process, right? Like, especially the model, we talk about revisions um, all the time. And it's okay for our students to not get something the first time or the second time or even the third time. But as long as our students are learning something from their mistakes, that really is powerful in itself. I just want to point out that you are absolutely correct. When it comes to the models, a lot of our caregivers that I worked with had lots of questions about what do you mean they're just going to watch videos, right? Like they're just going to be on the computer the entire time. And it's like, no, those are really misconceptions. The only thing they're watching um, on the computer really is the video. And the teacher can create a lot of different ways to do collaborative activities. So the students are constantly engaged in the lessons. Um and I like that you provided that space, again, for caregivers to have that learner's experience to see what modern classrooms really look like. And I think that's definitely what my colleague and I did for Back to School Night was that we did something along the lines of like, hey, here's what the model looks like. We'll talk about it. We'll introduce to you. But then you're, you're actually going to go through a unit to have a better understanding. And I just love the fact, I mean, that's huge, Matt, that it's like top, your school was top three, where your parents and caregivers know exactly what's happening happening. And, and the model is just so beautiful because of the transparency. There's no longer an element of surprise. There's not a gotcha moment for anybody, all stakeholders involved. They know what to expect. And, and our parents and caregivers sometimes have no idea how to approach the school, right? And how to approach teachers because again, sometimes our, our caregivers just have so much, so many things on their plates, right? And so they just wholeheartedly trust that educator to take care of their, their students' needs when it comes to education. And so with this model, it really just opens up like, hey, we're talking about this thing in math. And um, here's a video that you both can watch together and have a discussion about. It's no longer, I always say there's no longer a gray space or gray area, right? Of like the kids saying, I don't really know what we learned today. Um, and the, and the, the, the parent or the caregiver really struggling with like how to keep that conversation going. But now with all the resources and the tools and everything um, that the students have, our caregivers can continue to have those deep conversations with their students because they know exactly what to expect in the model. Um, and I think you're right about over communicating. That's definitely what my sixth grade team did with our parents. We had a weekly newsletter. Um, our students were emailing them about their progress. We were emailing them if there was something that was missing. They had access to the pacing tracker. Everything was just laid out for them. And even though in the beginning of the school year, there was a lot of hesitation, and a lot of resistance, when it, ha it so happened, like at the end, like everyone's just like, oh, okay, like we know what's happening. There's not a, what are we doing in Ms. D's classroom again? It's like, oh no, you're on lesson 1.1. So we're going to work on this together. And it's just such a beautiful shift. Um, and I, I just love that it becomes a community of people, right, where all of stakeholders are now having conversations about what their child or their student is learning. And that's just so beautiful to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the end of the year, we got our student climate and teacher working condition survey, and it was consistent across questions about the student-centered environment and parent engagement that our school was well, well above average for our district and the state, and, and often in the top three or five schools across our district. And so there's some real data that backed up the fact that once you bring people into this model, 
they're compelled by the the process of developing self-paced learners. Yeah. And another thing too, that one of our expert mentors did with her students as well is that, you know what, like we're going to go through this modern classroom. Your homework is to actually go and explain this to your caregivers and your families. And so that way, and they had to record it using Flipgrid or Flip, that's what it's known now, um, and where they just record that conversation. So the teacher can then listen to it and say like, oh, okay, the student understands because they're able to share that with their families. And then now the families have a better understanding of what's happening in the school as well. All right. So listeners, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Matt's experience with Modern Classroom. Hey there, listeners. It's Zach here. Uh, Dropping in for the break. We have a love note for you. This is from a teacher named Yvette. Hello, my name is Yvette Samaha. I'm uh, a newcomer to Canada and uh, I'm also a new teacher. And um, I've been doing interviews and talking about how I uh, love Modern Classroom Project and how, how I would implement it. And it actually fits in the vision of every school board I'm applying to. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm doing the Summer Institute along with two additional qualification courses uh, and a newborn and working nine to five also. So, But I'm, I can do it, I know. And my mentor is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yvette. Best of luck to you. Remember, if you want to share something about your experience with Modern Classrooms or how you run your Modern Classroom, you too can send us a quick note about it and we'll feature it here on the podcast. You can email us your audio note at podcast at modernclassrooms.org or you can follow the instructions that are linked in the show notes for submitting a love note as well. But for now, let's get back into it with Tony Rose and Matt. All right. And now we're back with Matt. So let's keep the questions going. Um, This one is a really hot topic right now, uh, Matt, as you are well aware. Teacher evaluation, right? Especially with everything that's going on in the world and how education is shifting, teacher evaluation is still going on. So what did your teacher observations and evaluations look like for you? And how did your teachers respond? Yeah, it's a hot topic and it gets more high stakes as teachers often see this evaluation model included in their compensation in some places. It's not in North Carolina as of right now, but this is one that there's a whole other kind of political side here and and management side here that, that has nothing to do with this conversation, but cr- increases the stakes for it, right? Um, so the first thing I think I would share with teachers and leaders is that when you really sit down and look at it, the model is going to check a lot of boxes on your evaluation system. I only know ours in North Carolina and the DC one somewhat well, but I can bet that if you sit down with your evaluation system in your state or your district, there is going to be a lot of boxes that get checked by the model. Differentiation, personalization, support for students, all of these things that we try to include in what teachers do in the classroom. Um, The Modern Classrooms Project model is an extremely rigorous method of teaching, and it includes a lot of these things. Um, So you really going to start there and look for places to crosswalk what we know to be good practice and what is reflected in our evaluation system with what Modern Classrooms Project is telling teachers and what your teachers are learning as they go through either the free course or the mentorship program. And so I sort of did some of that work and started to look with some of our experienced teachers who had implemented the model for a long time, how can we make people feel comfortable with how their work doing MCP is connected to the teacher evaluation system. 
And this, to be honest, was one of the biggest questions we got from teachers all the time when we first started implementing. It was, well, when you come observe me, are you going to mark me down for this? Or am I going to get in trouble for this? (laughs) And we had to really make sure people understood and felt like the benchmarks and the feedback points were really transparent. So I started by creating and sharing my kind of walkthrough checklist of practices with an MCP that I was looking for and how they related to some of the big standards that teachers know that they're getting evaluated on. And so I shared this out with staff. I let them look at it, give feedback. We talked about it in PLCs and started instructional conversations around those things. And that helped them really understand, okay, I'm in the model with them. I'm not going to you know, go in the classroom and, and sort of give them a totally different look than they're getting in MCP. And transparency was really key in that. I just want to underline that point for folks listening. You can't come in the classroom and all of a sudden teachers are seeing things for the first time. Uh, we had to really make sure they were transparent and shared in advance. And then I have always added a layer of digital notes to my observations that I just share with the teacher as soon as I walk out of the classroom. So it's a Google Doc. It has a template for collecting data. I collect a lot of data, so I try to be as data-driven and objective as possible. And then I also share a lot of good things and some questions in those notes. And I just let teachers have at it before I even get into the post-conference so that instead of sitting across the table with me and staring at me while I ask them these questions they're hearing for the first time, they get to look through my notes at home in the comfort of their own home and get to process them and come to the post-conference ready to have a good conversation kind of about the, the model and how it's relating to what I'm looking at in their evaluation. And so, you know, like I said, this is really rigorous work in the in the classroom. It's important to ask questions. It's important to understand that teachers are sort of on this continuum of work and to look for the opportunities to connect that with your evaluation system so you're not kind of running two separate methods of doing feedback in your school, which can really create confusion and anxiety for teachers. So I hear you talk about a post-conference. Do you do a pre-conference as well before you pop into their classrooms? Yeah, that's different in every state, right? And in, in, in every evaluation system, we do a pre-conference, especially for our newer teachers and all teachers get it prior to their first observation. So I've always met with you and we've talked prior to me doing an observation for sure. So that's a great opportunity for administrators to just really approach from a humble lens and ask a lot of questions about the model, especially if you're less familiar with it. And that's a great point. That was actually my follow-up question, Matt, was that we have a lot of teachers who they're the only ones implementing this model. So their admin has no idea what modern classroom is about. Do you think that it's necessary for admin to kind of go through the free course to have a better understanding? Or do you think it's okay for teachers to just teach their admin about it? So I think you always want to operate on the trust, but verify, right? Um, And I think this is a great example of that. I think teachers know what's going on in their classrooms, but also, you know, teacher to teacher, they might have slightly different interpretations of different parts of the model. And ultimately, if you're expecting that the model is going to be shared by one teacher and then maybe another, and it's going to become something that happens in your school more frequently you probably want to understand it deeply enough to be able to guide kind of how it relates to your vision for the school. And so my recommendation would definitely be, you know, at some point to at least peek through the free course, get a good understanding of of what's going on there so that you can compare that to what you're hearing and verify what you're hearing from teachers. And maybe also get some really good ideas for how you might want to build support 
for teachers that are going through it because it definitely gives you a better sense. I actually went ahead and did the free course and also got certified as a Distinguished Modern Classrooms Project Advocate, um, which is an opportunity that administrators have. Yeah, and I think that that's um, that's key as well, right? Especially if you're implementing this school wide, um, to just kind of have a better understanding of what the model looks like. And so, because I know working, we you know we have an expert mentor who's a superintendent, and just hearing her stories and just how she's gone through, you know, the course and to become a DMCA and all of this good stuff. It's like okay, so like you're actually putting yourself in your teacher's shoes so that you have a better understanding of what the expectations are for teachers, right? Because this model, like you really have to be invested in it. It's not like one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to be like 50% in. I mean, you have to be 100% invested because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so it's really nice to just be able to hear you kind of talk about that whole process of getting to know the model. Um, and so if you're an admin out there just hesitant about this model, definitely check us out. Look at the free course, kind of sift through that, connect with our community on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, listen to the podcast, all of this jazz, just so that you can understand what the model entails. Because I know that we get a lot of questions from our implementers or teachers about evaluation, and they're just worried about how. Um, their evaluations will go because they're implementing such a new instructional model. Um, and so this is a great segue, right? What is the tip that you have for ad, for administrators who are just now getting started with MCP? Yeah, I, I think we shared a lot of them in that last section. I'll just repeat that it's really important to talk to teachers and then also get your own background information on what the model should look like. And once you start to see it in practice, it starts to make sense very, very quickly. And you'll start to pick up on different things that are happening that you may not see at your first pass or without having some background and context. I also just want to share for administrators out there that are listening to this, feel free to email me and set up a meeting and and chat about this work. I love talking with leaders who are interested in really being innovative with their instructional models. And, you know, I have some experience in implementing the model in my school myself and as a district leader. So feel free to email me. My email is matthew.hickson at modernclassrooms.org. Uh, and that last name is spelled H-I-C-K-S-O-N. And I'm genuinely happy to have conversations with folks. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. I think it's really important that we make those connections and ask all the questions because sometimes we sit here by ourselves kind of just ruminating on all the things that could not work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know I do that a lot. <laughs> so, um, and I guess, okay, so this is where we're going to talk about time, I, I think, right? So how can administrators better support teachers who are implementing the model? Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is from Bill Hewlett from Hewlett Packard, uh, and it's just simple, says, never stifle a generous impulse. And I think here is a really important place to put that into practice. Be generous with time and resources for your teachers. Uh, Time in education is unbelievably precious, and it's also the most important driver of innovation or one of the most important drivers of innovation. So, you know, be generous. And then I would also say on the flip side, be ambitious. Teachers love to get energized around a galvanizing and ambitious vision for the work, especially when it puts students and their health and well-being and their learning at the center of it. And so, you know, be ambitious, set a vision, even even if just a few teachers in your school are implementing, you know, talk with them and have exciting instructional conversations about what their vision is and support it. Give it resources, give it time, 
push it along the way, ask good questions, and be a partner in those instructional conversations with your teachers. I think that really makes all the difference. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I know, again, you know, going back to my old principal, Maya, who is just amazing. She was so good at giving us time to implement something, right? Whatever it is that the school has decided or we've talked about, whatever strategy, there was always time to implement it. It wasn't like, okay, we'll take this whole hour to talk at you, and then you kind of have to do it on your own time, figure out how to implement it. Um, there was just time embedded in the planning and she just knew how important it was. And that's something that teachers don't get a lot of, right? Time. And so it's really nice to be able to work on things when time is given to us and not have to take that home. And so when I made the shift with Modern Classroom, that was my main goal, Matt, was to give our teachers time. And so whenever we have sessions and workshops and whatever else we're doing with with implementers, we talk for about 20 minutes and then the rest is work time because we really, I feel like that is the time to get all the questions answered as well as all of the misconceptions. And when our implementers or teachers are stuck with, stuck with something, that is a great time to have those conversations to be unstuck. And just like you said, really being a partner for our teachers and for our implementers so that they feel supported and they feel heard and they feel validated. And so sometimes the space that we create for for teachers is a time for them to check in with each other to make sure you know that they're doing okay and if not how can we best support them because we really do want to model our model we don't want to just lecture at our teachers um, for long periods of time just to hear us talk although I have to admit when I was teaching I really loved hearing myself talk <laughs> um, and so it was a nice shift right to just be like stop talking say what you got to say and then give them work time that's the same with our students, right? We no longer have to lecture at them for 20, 45 minutes. We can give them a six, seven minute video and then allow for them to process the information as well as transfer the skills that they're learning into like real world examples and real life application. And so um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, let's be, you know, just be generous, be ambitious. It's scary but it's also so exciting. Um, and so what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have, Matt? Yeah, I think it's also, I'll say with this question, it's never been a better time to be generous and ambitious in our education system. We see all around us the challenges that teachers and schools and communities are facing. And I think it's so essential right now that leaders take a moment to process all of those things and give people a positive, hopeful, exciting vision to get around. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that MCP can be a big part of that. And, you know, we know that at MCP teachers are the vehicle for this work. And I'm hoping that in my new job, I can really help schools envision how they can become a vehicle for teachers to continue to do that work at, at a bigger scale and make an impact on more students. Uh, delivering that student-centered experience and building a school community that has a vision that's compelling, that's invigorating, that really focuses on building a new generation of leaders and solving problems that are relevant today. So that's the work that I think we're really, really excited to do. Um, I always ask district leaders, what is your vision for blended and personalized learning? And we get different answers to that. Some people really have a, a important and exciting vision. Others don't have much yet developed. Some people aren't sure exactly what that looks like in their classrooms, but it's so important. It's one of the most important things 
that our districts and schools can do right now is think about what that vision for blended and personalized learning might be. We're in an era with more technology and more disruption in education than there has been in a long time. It's both a really scary period for a lot of districts, and it's also a window to innovate that I hope that we don't miss. Um, I hope folks will consider really stepping into that and being, again, ambitious and exciting and thoughtful about the work that we can do with teachers and students. So I'm excited to spend my time in MCP imagining that with our partners and building an exciting future for blended and personalized learning. I'm so excited to learn from you and alongside you. It just seems like you have such great ideas. And and I think those are all really, really important to keep in mind as well. And just to acknowledge the fact that, hey, when it comes to blended learning and how to personalize learning, that's a really big question. And sometimes like, yeah, that seems really cool, but I have no idea how to get there. And I think with your role it, you're going to help them, you know, and guide them through this journey and to try and figure out what will specifically work for their school district or and their teachers. And I think that's definitely uh, a learning curve and a gap that we're trying to fill in. So I'm excited, Matt. This is going to be great. Um, and I know that you already provided your email address. Um, how can our listeners connect with you via socials or anything like that? Yeah, so just one more time, the email for Modern Classrooms Project is Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot Hickson, H-I-C-K-S-O-N uh, at modernclassrooms.org. I'm sure that's also going to be on the Modern Classrooms Project website at some point. Uh, feel free to start there. I also have a Twitter. I believe it is Mr. Hickson 120 <laughs> but I'll, I'll double check that and back that up on the website if needed. Uh, I just want to say it's been lovely to connect with you. I can't wait to connect with other leaders across the country that are doing this work. It's really exciting. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Matt, for sharing your expertise and experiences with us. Listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for the episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 97. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday. So be sure to check there or check back in the, in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.